Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Anybody in here experience a miracle already in your life? Some kind of miracle God has intervened, made a way where there was no way? There could be somebody here today, and you need a miracle. You need a way to be made. There are promises in your life that need to be fulfilled. Do you know what? According to the Word, we can already shout before we see the end of the story because there is an end of the story in the promise itself. Can we right now just lift up a shout to the promise keeper? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You're faithful. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you tell somebody on your way to your seat, I have a miracle working God. Tell them. Declare it. Thank you so much, guys. That's a blessing. Well, I'll add my welcome. It's good that to be in the house of the Lord today. And... Um, I just wanted to uh, say in the early service, Tony was not here. Uh, he was actually in children's this morning as a pirate. Indeed. I, I, what, what was it? I might. Oi. I, okay. Yeah, he's a, got it. He's got it. And uh, so they had a lot of fun this morning. He lo- he's loving being with the kids. And um, God is doing great things in those tiny people, and they're growing up, not just on the outside, they're growing up on the inside with a respect for God and a confidence that our God is everything He says He is, so praise God. Um, Also, if I could just remind us of a couple announcements that came up on the, the screen, Keith Moore is going to be with us next Sunday. But not just next Sunday. He's also starting special meetings on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night at 7 o'clock. And for anyone who has already heard Keith, um, of course, you'll be here because you love his ministry and what a blessing he is. And for those of you who have not yet heard Keith more, um, let me just tell you, your, your life will be impacted. The Word of God is so strong through his life and through his ministry. And so uh, be sure and be here on those three nights and then also on Sunday morning. Uh, Because there's going to be people coming from outer state and also also a lot of different ministers are going to be joining us from around. Uh, We're going to have other guests in our home and some people that have never ever been here before and you know how it is when you have guests come to your house uh, maybe if they come a lot they come every day or something you don't straighten up for them but maybe you do but when you have guests in your home as a way to honor them and show that you appreciate them and you're so glad that they're in your home you like to make it nice well this is a big house and um 
And the, the man, the precious man, we adore him, uh, Brent, uh, who is over our cleaning, he is in New Zealand at a wedding. And we're glad he's getting to celebrate with his family. However, if there's anyone in our church family uh, that would just love to help us out this week where cleaning is concerned or any other uh, way, and you have an hour, maybe just only two, pop in uh, on Tuesday or any time during the week, and uh, we've got something that you can sure help the house with, and it'll make it nice to re be able to receive all kind of guests in uh, into this special meetings. Uh, Tony and I, this morning, on our way into church, we passed through the uh, the front entrance, and our our cafe, uh, Messina's doing a great job, and your team, yeah, yay, she's a great barista, but um, she had a cool idea about actually, um, we've got some great cooks, and so the treats that we get out there at the cafe are all homemade from people. It's just real, real, real happy family food. And so um, thank you for the great job you guys do. And, but we just encourage you. It's a wonderful thing that you can share with somebody. Uh, not only a great coffee, but also a treat that's made in-house. Um, and then um, I just want to remind you, too, that... Um, one of the announcements that were up was that in December we're coming together in one service. Usually we start it on, on uh, 316. We're starting in December, and that starts at 10 o'clock. It's going to be so much fun to just be together. There's a different group of people in the 830 service, and so it's just nice to be together. And so that's going to start December, and so keep that in mind. That's at 10 o'clock. Uh, what a way to grow, Tony um, uh, made it really clear at the very beginning of the year what was in his heart, just simple things that you don't have to keep in mind, Twenty, a list of 20 different things, just a list of three things, three beautiful things that help us grow strong in God and grow strong together is by attending, by coming. And the Bible says don't forsake it. Make sure you come because he's got something for us every time that we do. And the second thing was connect. And many of you are in connect groups. Uh, the, this last term is about to finish, but next year you can be looking forward to getting into a connect group and connecting with people and sharing the love of God and just a lot of, of good times together. And the last thing is serve. It is such an honor to serve the king and to serve one another. And so uh, we want to just encourage those three things, attend, connect, and serve. And by those things, doing those things together, it it's like putting fertilizer on your life. You grow. You grow and you grow strong. Roots go deep and your branches go wide and you're a blessing to other people other than just yourself. And it's really, really wonderful. Uh, today, we're going to pick up on the, uh, the second Sunday of this theme uh, that Tony has called Power. And so uh, last week was so good, and we're going to jump in this week. We believe that we have something from the Word of God that will help us and help us to see a way uh, and an expression 
of God's power. So before we get into the word of God, can we just pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here. And I know you know they're here. You know their lives. I thank you, as was already mentioned, I think Luke said it this morning, that there is so many promises in the word extending to every area of our life. And we're thankful for that, Lord, because you have looked ahead to every possible need we could ever have and made provision through your word to make a miracle in our life and make a way where there was no way. And Father God, we thank you for what your word says to us about the nation that we live in, about the communities that we live in, about the environment that we are in and how those, those places and the people in those places can be impacted by your light, your love, in your presence. So as we look into your word today, we thank you that there is power for our nation. There is power for the community that we live in. We ask you to help us to receive your word. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, for grace not to just hear it and receive it, but do it. I ask that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Today we're going to look at a verse of scripture, uh, uh, actually a story in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is, uh, is full of stories. And it's a wonderful way to learn the word is actually through the stories of the Old Testament. And a lot of those stories are about our miracle working God. A lot of the stories in the Old Testament are about crisis. But crisis always is the backdrop for God to display amazing things that God can do. And so one of those stories is in Exodus, the 17th chapter. Let's read it. Exodus 17 and verse 8. We're going to begin. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim and the people... These are God's people at Rephidim. The warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. All right, so this is a very interesting story. Later on now, see, Paul is talking to a whole church in Corinth. 
about examples and stories like these in the Old Testament. And this is what he said about Old Testament stories. They can just be in a Bible story book, and they can just be stories before you go to sleep at night or whatever. But Paul said, oh, no, no, no. There is much more to these stories in the Old Testament. He said they're actually put in the Bible to be examples for us, that we would actually have a type, a precedent to follow. We could have actually, as a, as a result of these stories, they could be like symbols for us. So it isn't just a story, but it helps us to be able to know how to interact with God. And we all want to know how to do that. So we're going to look at this story, at the different um, components of this story, and look at the example that it gives us. The examples of, and the symbols, uh, the, the prototypes that it gives for us. Okay, here we go. The first one, Moses. Okay, Moses is a big character in the Bible. But in this story, there is Moses, Aaron, his older brother, and her. Who are these people in today's life? Because Paul said, stories from there affect us and apply to us today. So what do they represent for us today? Who is Moses, Aaron, and her for us? Well, these three men are examples of believers in prayer. Really? Yeah. Yes. Who would think that this story is a story about prayer? But actually, we're going to see, and there's other things that we can learn from the story as well. But this story is a tremendous story to illustrate and demonstrate prayer for us here in the New Testament. Who is Joshua? Now, Joshua back then was one of, uh, was a commander, and he fought in the valley. He fought in the valley um, and commanded the armies of Israel against the Amalekites. But who is Joshua for us? Who does he represent for us? Joshua for us also represents a believer. But instead of uh, the believer uh, being on a mountain, on a rock, this believer is in the valley and actually in the very location of the battle itself. It was like hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so this believer is there represented uh, as somebody who is a believer or somebody chosen by God uh, in the workplace, um, it, it could be in a school, could be in home life, it could be um, in just regular everyday living, it could be politics. Joshua represents a believer or a chosen person of God in real life, okay? What does the staff or the rod represent? Because if you remember, Moses on this, in this story had a staff that he held up above his head. And when he did, 
the people of God made advances against the enemy. What does this staff represent? Well, let's watch where the staff enters. I didn't have a staff like Moses, so I got a vacuum cleaner wand. What do you know? Of course. Next best thing. So here we are, vacuum cleaner wand, but this is going to, to illustrate for us uh, Moses' rod. Now, the first time we see Moses' rod is not here. The first time we see Moses' rod, it was the rod of actually a shepherd. He was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And, um, and so this is the first time we hear of the rod. Well, the rod then isn't, uh, it, it is not for abuse. The rod was actually used for protection and to help serve this flock that he was over. And so this is the purpose of the rod. However, the next time we start hearing about the rod, it starts changing. It's not just about the shepherd. The next time we hear about the rod, Moses put this rod uh, in, in Pharaoh's courtroom and it turned into a snake. Do you remember that? And then the wise men and the magicians of Pharaoh put theirs down and it turned into a snake. And then Moses' rod that turned into a snake swallowed up those other ones. And then Moses picked it back up again and it turned back into a rod. And this isn't Hollywood, it's Exodus. It's an amazing story. The next thing, he puts this rod in the river Nile and it turns into blood. Then the, the, uh, the children of God, the Israelites start watching because every time Moses starts using this rod, something supernatural happens. Amazing things happen when Moses uses this rod. And so the, the different signs and wonders that were necessary to help out, uproot the children of Israel out of Egypt that they'd been there for hundreds of years in slavery, the, the, the power of God that was exhibited and manifested at the use of this rod, the children of Israel start identifying miracle-working power, dominion, and authority with this rod. All right? Then Moses lifts it up over the Red Sea, and when he does, bam, it splits, and the children of Israel walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. Amazing. Later on, Moses, when the children of Israel are, are dying of thirst, he walks over to a rock that God um, gave him direction to do, and he hit that rock, and out of the rock came water, enough water to flow and feed or give enough water for the whole nation. So this rod is a very interesting, uh, it was a wonderful and an interesting tool that God has. So what is the rod to us? What does it symbolize? Well, it is a symbol of strength. It's a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of dominion. Something is going to happen when it is lifted up. 
something is going to change. Aren't we thankful for these stories in the Old Testament? But not only that, what does it mean for us in the new? We're going to look today at that. What about the rock? Because after Moses was so tired and he kept, he, his arms kept on dropping because he was so tired, it says that he sat on a rock. Aaron and her got him a rock to sit on. What does the rock speak to us about? Well, many things in life change. Seasons change them. Pressure changes them. Well, one thing that doesn't change after waves beat on it over and over and over and over and over is a rock, is a cliff. And so the rock speaks to us of the unfailing promises and nature of God. Aren't we thankful that our God does not change? A part of that song we were singing today is, my God will never change. He is faithful, so faithful. He will never fail me. And so the word, the word will never change. God will never change. And the Bible said that Moses sat on that. When you have the unchanging word of God, the unchanging nature of God, it's something that you can rest on. We sing one of those songs too. I'm trying to think, um, how does it go? I will rest in your promises, your faithfulness is my confidence. Did I get that right? Okay. So we can actually rest. We don't have to hold ourselves up. We can actually rest on the promises of God. So that's what the rock speaks to us about is God his word, and his faithfulness. Well, what about the people in the valley? That's another component in this story. We've got the people of God, and we've got the Amalekites. Who are they? Who are these people that are against one another? The armies of God against the Amalekites. Well, who are they? We might think, well, it could be Christians against everyone else in the world. That stinks. That doesn't sound like anything of, we're not a, a, a fighting, put everyone else down. That doesn't seem right. What is, so how do we think? Well, then maybe it is the liberals against the labor. How about, yeah, it's an interesting one, but, or maybe it's the Democrats against the Republicans. Maybe it is, uh, and maybe it is the right against the left. Actually, neither of, none of those things are correct. Now, in Joshua, the fifth chapter, this happened a little later, and I, we won't take time to look there, but let me just explain basically what happened. The children of Israel in this first story are in the wilderness. They've come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness when this first story that we read happened where Moses sat on the rock with the rod above his head. But this, this next story happened 
after the children of Israel have been in the wilderness for 40 years. And the reason they're there is because when they came right up to the land that God promised belonged to them, they saw that there were giants and walled cities, and they absolutely chose to believe the giants and the walled cities over the promise of God. Basically saying, even though they may not have ever said it with their mouth, but basically saying, you are a bald-faced liar telling God his word is not true because of the evidence and contrary circumstance against the promise. Have you ever had anything contradict a promise that God has given you and look like it is more true than the promise? We're given opportunity to actually put our trust in the promise. Well, they didn't. And they stayed in the wilderness. Many of them died there. But now a whole new generation of people uh, have risen up. Moses has passed away. And Joshua, who led the army in the, in the, um, huh? in the valley, thank you, in the valley, he is now leading the whole nation of Israel into the promised land. They had to cross another body of water. It was a river. That river also split, and they went on over. When they did, uh, the first place they came up to was Jericho. How in the world were they were going to ever take Jericho? The walls were massive. There was no way to even advance on the city or get into the city at all. It was all shut up. No way at all. But Joshua, one evening, he had an encounter with a supernatural being. And the Bible calls this being the commander of the host of the Lord. Could have been a representative of Jesus Christ or even. But Joshua asked this being, a very interesting question, he said, because he saw his, he saw that he was amazing, and he was a warrior, and he had a sword, and he said, whose side are you on? Are you on our side, or are you on Jericho's side? Whose side are you on? And you know what the angel said? No. What kind of an answer is no? But it was the correct answer. Because he went on to say, I am captain of the host or the armies of the Lord. What is he saying by that? He said, I'm not under the influence of any other army. I'm not under the influence of even the Israeli army. I'm not under the influence of the Amalekite army. I am God. I am captain of the host of God. So... What can we see about that? The question was actually wrong. It isn't whose side is God on? Is God on the liberals? Is he on labor? Whose side is God on? Is he on Democrats or is he on Republican? Whose side is God on? No, those are the wrong questions. The right question is whose side are you on? Because God is God. God is good, and God is life, and God is love, and God is right. Whose side are we on? So he gives that question. Well, anyone 
for God, on God's side, and on God's purposes. And against those who are against God and his purposes. That's who's in the battle. That's who's in the valley here. The ones who are for God and his purposes, the ones who are against God and his purposes. And you know, the fact of the matter is, sometimes somebody is for God in labor party, in the Democratic Party. Sometimes there are people against God there. Sometimes there are people in any of those parties that are for or against. Get a load of this. There are people who haven't made Jesus their Lord yet, and yet they are for the purposes of God. You know them and I know them. Have you ever known a Christian who fought against the purposes of God? We didn't say that very loud, but yeah, did we know somebody? Do you know there was uh, the closest, one of the closest followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Three, the top, one of the top three, Peter, James, and John. Peter talked to Jesus, and he said was off the wall. Jesus turned around because it, it threatened the whole purpose and plan of redemption that was planned before the foundations of the earth. And, and Jesus turned around to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus never said that to anybody else. No one else. He said that to one of his followers. So to just clump people, you as a whole group are against God. You as a whole group are uh, for God. No, there are people in, in many different groups who are for. So wow. That's who's in the valley below. God has purposes that will go on and on and on and on. And he's looking for people who are working together with him. We're going to go on and, and look at Moses in just a little bit. But I want us to see this story here in, in, in uh, Exodus, the 17th chapter. A wonderful story. And I'm wondering if I could get Rod Rod, could you pop up here and be Moses? Yay. Clap for Moses as he comes. And just go ahead and stand up there. Oh, you get the rod. Yeah, you get the rod. I kind of like this rod. But if you could stand up there, you're on the hill. And then if, if I could get, um, if I could get, I'm looking for somebody else that has, ooh, you look like a her. Not a her, H-E-R. You look like a H-U-R, her. Come on. Come on. And then we, we also, yeah. And then, Reg, if you'll come up and be Aaron. Aaron is Moses' older brother. Whoa. Okay, so we've got our three. Moses, Aaron, and her. So what happened was Moses raised his rod and we need people here in the valley to represent the armies of Israel and the armies of Amalekite, or we could say people that represent people that are helping the purposes of God, people that are resisting and fighting the purposes of God. And so, um, can you help again? You know how this works. Okay, Branson, and then, and then uh, Benny, if you will, Branson gets to represent the armies of Israel, and we'll start up here, and uh, and. 
Benny is our Amalekite. People that are against God and his purposes. Okay, so they're coming at it. They're engaged in conflict together. They're not just throwing words back and forth saying, you're ugly. No, you're ugly. You're uglier than I am. No, uh, they were fighting one another. And, and as long as Moses had his rod up, the people of God and his purposes pushed the Amalekites back. But when Moses got tired and lowered his rod, the Amalekites began to drive the people of God back, back, back. And then the rod came up again. And then the people of God prevailed. Whoa! But then the rod came down, and the Amalekites got up off the ground and started slugging it to them. Okay, so what they did to help this situation out then was they set Moses on a rock on the faithfulness of God and on the faithfulness of his word, and they held his hands up. So put the rod this way, put the rod this way, yeah. Put it that way, and they held his hands up. Now, as long as this rod was up, the way this story worked, because he had help, he just kept pushing, pushing, pushing back, pushing back, way back. Did you guys ever do that chair? Anyway, the Amalekites were defeated. Can we give these guys a hand? Thanks, guys. I'll need you guys again in a little bit, but that, that helped us. Thank you. Now, what we want to see from, your word, from the Word of God is in Psalms 110. Thank you. Psalms 110 verse 2 says, The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Now, um, Zion in the Old Testament was another word for Jerusalem. Zion, the temple or the the, the hill of God. However, in the New Testament, it is not, doesn't speak of a mountain. It speaks actually of the church. The New Testament uses the word Zion and church interchangeably, okay? So let's read this verse of scripture that way. The Lord will send the rod, and remember we've seen that the rod speaks of Dominion speaks of authority. It speaks of the strength of God. This verse of Scripture says the Lord will send the dominion of God, the strength of God, the authority of God out of Zion or the church. So the strength of God, sometimes we're, we're waiting for God to be real strong. Oh, God, do amazing things in, in the earth, in our community, in our nation, in our, our place around. Be mighty among us. But the strength or the rod of God is exercised through the church. All right? So in verse 3, it says this, And on the day that you fight your animal, enemies, your people will volunteer. Did I say enemies or animals? First service, okay. On the day you fight your enemies, your people will volunteer. Like the dew of early morning, your young men 
will come to you on the sacred hills. And there's many things we could say about that, but we're going to just let the word impact you on that and go along here. But it says here that they will, they will rise as volunteers or they will respond and do what is necessary in the hill of God and also in this valley below. Now, what we want to see here is one of the ways, one of the ways that we can serve God, many different ways. We have people that serve God in children's church, in youth. We have people that serve as ushers, greeters, cleaners, sound people, musicians. We have people that serve in all kinds of capacities, and it's wonderful. But another way that we can serve God, everyone can serve God, is in prayer. And it is a service to the purposes of God. And I'll show you why. <clears throat> it is a service to the purposes of God. Now, um, Moses being a representative of lifting up the rod along with Aaron and her, lifting up the rod of God when... The church exercises through prayer God's purposes, lifting up God's promises for our community and for our nation. What ends up happening is the people and the purposes of God prevail. So if I could have those guys pop back up again to de demonstrate this. Sometimes, because we have every, every month, we have pray for Australia. We pray once a month for Australia. But if literally the only time that the rod of God is one, once a month raised or maybe once a week, the nation is being prayed for, the city is being prayed for, and we're lifting up our voice and the dominion of God once a, once a month, go ahead, this is our day. We just got through praying. We prayed for the military, but now Sunday's over. And we don't pray on Monday. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's Thursday. It's Friday. It's Saturday. It's Sunday, and now it's time to pray again. So now he's pushing back. But now it's Sunday's over. And so now Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, but now it's Monday, it's Monday, and so now it's being pushed back some more. Do you see that there is, thank you guys, you can go, you give them a, another hand. It's not every Sunday that you get to come to church and fight. So, it would only be absolutely ludicrous to think that praying once a week or once a month is what is required to drive back what is trying to break our community, our families, our schools, break people's lives apart. There is no way that casual once in a while prayer will prevail on the enemy and we make progress for the kingdom of God. It won't happen. And then we think, how did our country get like this? How did things fall apart? I'm telling you what, God is waiting for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to raise our authority 
open our mouths and use the name of Jesus and not just sing about a promise-keeping God, but let's use those promises. Those promises out of our mouth are, the Bible says, a two-edged sword. Now, what is very interesting about this, what is interesting about this is that Moses, Moses alone, Moses alone cannot win this. Moses alone cannot conquer the enemy. He also has to have a counterpart in the earth. I want you to listen to this. And you can put up these phrases. God's purposes cannot reign in a city or a nation if believers don't take their place in prayer. I'm going to just say it again. God's purposes, and God's purposes, we sang it in one of the songs. He gives life. He gives light. He gives hope to the hopeless. He gives, he restores the brokenhearted. Those kind of purposes don't just happen. And so God's purposes cannot reign in a city or a nation if believers don't take, and could you please put that up on the screen, can't take their place in prayer. The next phrase says this, there is more to do than pray, however. There is more to do than pray. In other words, Moses didn't win the war by just being on the mountain alone. There was also people in the valley fighting as well. And so there is this wonderful collaboration of Moses and the people of God in prayer, using our authority in prayer. But Joshua and the people of God were in the valley doing their part as well. So there is more to pray, to do than pray. If you could put that phrase up, please. For instance, responsible voting that represents God's heart, giving your input, to elected officials and supporting those who support things that matter to God. Those are things that we can do that are more to prayer. Can everyone say amen? amen. However, nothing can take the place. Nothing can take the place of God's people and God's purposes being carried out in the earth. Nothing can take the place of the people of God using the dominion and the authority that's in the word of God, nothing. Sometimes we think if we can just get the right elected official into office, they'll do all the pushback for us. That, my dear friends, all of us must know this, that is unscriptural. That is not founded in the scripture that we turn and abdicate the place that Jesus bought and paid for us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with the authority of his name, abdicate that and elect somebody and say, you do the work for us. It is not to happen. We're to do our part. They're to do their part. But 
as we do our part, according to the story in the Bible, dominion and strength was given to the people of God in the valley to do what needed to be done so that the purposes of God could, could prevail and succeed over the works of the devil. Do you, uh, do you believe in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to just kind of play patty cake with people? You cannot be around too many people without knowing that the devil plays mean. Mean. He doesn't just bruise people. A bruise is only a precursor to a beating. And that is only a precursor to destruction in people's lives. If he doesn't destroy one area, he'll work on another. He hates Logan. He hates Brisbane. He wants to hurt it. But God has given us a rod in the same way God gave to Moses a rod. God can't lift it for us. He's given it to us. He needs us to open our mouth. He's, uh, he's needing us to open our heart and not just do it one day a week or one day a month, praise the Lord. Lift up our voices and take our place. If you'll read James 5, 16, please. In the Bible, in the Amplified, it says it this way. The, James 5, 16, the effectual, fervent prayer the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Let me read that again. The effectual, fervent, continued prayer of a righteous man, that's down in the middle of that verse of Scripture, Notice it doesn't say the casual, put a Band-Aid on it type of a prayer. No, it's a fervent, earnest, sporadic, once an annual prayer conference or a meeting. No, continual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. And that power that is made available is the power that drives back the destroyer, drives back the thief, drives back the one who wants to kill and destroy people's lives. Aren't you thankful that we have a wonderful name of Jesus? It has been given to us, not just to sing about and not just to bless, but to use against the works of the enemy, not just in our own lives, but God has set us in the places where we live to be a blessing to Logan, to be a blessing to the communities that we live in. God wants things to change in our city. 
God wants things that the devil has done to take, trying to take things uh, in a bad way that hurts people. God wants those people liberated. He wants light to prevail, and he needs us to do our part. We're his children, and we work with him. We've been given a rod. Now, if you'll look at one more place in the scripture with me, and we're going to pray today. Um, in Romans, the 8th chapter and the 16th verse. And, but before uh, uh, reading that, I want to tell you, Tony and I, 25 years ago, we, um, we moved to Sicily. And uh, you know, there's been quite a development. We were just down in Sicily just uh, three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And um, there's been a lot of development in Sicily. It's quite antiquated place. But when we moved there, that country was so strangled with mafia. It was not just a movie. And there is, you know, movies of the mafia, Godfather, and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, it is not just entertaining. It is a nightmare. It was horrible. Those dear people lived the nightmare. And unless business owners paid for protection, they could be, you know, their businesses blown up or looted and all. They had to pay for everything. And it was not just storybook that there were acid baths and people hiding in basements and, and you know, the godfather people. They're just ruthless, just ordering deaths here, there, and everywhere. A guy that went to, he's a, he's a pastor now, dear friend. Um, he, he was a Secret Service policeman uh, for Palermo. And, um, and back when the, uh, a lawyer by the name of a Judge actually flew down there to prosecute some of those godfathers, his name is Bellascone. No, that's the, the uh, president. Who was that fellow? For, it begins with an F. If you think of it, just holler it out. Anyway. He was going down to prosecute some of those some of those godfathers, and they some there was some mole in the police department. And they found out about it, and um, on his way back from the airport, man, they blew a crater in the Autostrada. Huh? It was a highway. Oh, Autostrada. Okay, and in Italy, it's out of strata. It was like the M1. They blew a crater. It was, a, it was terrible. It looked like there was no hope for those dear people. We still, we had students ask us, pastors who were students in our school, they said, what do we tell our people when they ask us, do we continue after we're born again to pay the mafia so that they don't blow up our businesses? We've never heard questions like that in our life. It was so dip. We just said, just moved to Sicily, and it came from. It came out of, of of a movie into real life. What do you tell these people that live in fear of the mafia? I'm telling you what, the church that we went there to help, a great church, and they still are a great church. They believed in what we're talking about today, and they started praying together as a church, but individually through their day and through the city, they started lifting up the promises of God for their city. Not just a little bit, 
continually, just as constant as the waves beating on the shore. They kept praying. They kept praying. They kept praying. And you know what? I can't remember what year it was, but it was when President Clinton was in office. I do remember that. And it was when the G7 was the G7. Now it's G many more nations, 13 or something. But it was, this was back when it was just seven. They had, an, they had a meeting, a global meeting where all the seven got back to, came together. And they met in Palermo. And do you know what? They awarded Palermo the city most changed in the whole world. How did that happen? Just more policemen on deck? How did that happen? The military just worked moving in and by martial law driving back crime? No. The church took their place. The church took their place on the word of God and started praying the word, praising the word, lifting up the promises. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a light in the darkness. That is who God is. But I'll tell you who we are. We are like Moses, Aaron, and her on the mountain. We are also like Joshua in the valley. We have jobs. We have lives. But we cannot prevail against the enemy if this place is abdicated. It is not to be delegated to anybody else. It is our place to pray strength over our police departments, strength and wisdom over our, our elected officials, wisdom of God. It's our responsibility to tell the devil no. These people have real-life opponents, but we know behind those real-life opponents there are demonic forces that influence people. And you and I have the name that is above every name to stop it. God wants us to use our authority in the name of Jesus, and we're going to do it today. Praise the name of the Lord. So if you guys can come, I'd like us to pray. Hallelujah. We'll get to that other verse in another day. But I'd like you to just bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great blessing of being a Christian. Great blessing of being able to call God our Father. The great blessings that have come not because we earned them, but because they were purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We boldly and humbly and gratefully declare and praise the fact that we are blessed. But this morning, we also recognize the fact that we have responsibility as children of the living God. But we've been given a rod, the rod of the dominion of the kingdom of God, the rod of the name of Jesus, a rod to use. And we pray that you would help us to not lower our rod, but to keep it, keep it up, keep it up. Encourage each other, encourage each other and strengthen one another to keep up prayer. 
Father, we pray that prayer would happen around breakfast tables in family circles. We pray that prayer will happen in coffee club, Zarafas. We pray that prayer will happen in cars. We pray that prayer will happen in buses and in, in, in all kinds of transportation. We ask you that as we walk in the malls that we buy stuff from, we ask you to help us and remind us that we can pray and we can release the dominion of God and the joy of God and the love of God wherever we go. Help us to be relentless, relentless in our position in the name of Jesus. Help us stand up into the place that you have ordained for us to stand in Jesus' precious name. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.